Peace to you. Thank you for joining me for the Naked Truth. We are going to pick up where we left off in the book of 1 Kings. We're at chapter 17, if you want to read along with me. Um, looks like this could be one of the more interesting ones as we get introduced to one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. Now that we've moved beyond the Moses days. Verse um, seven, verse 1 of chapter 17. Here we go. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So the person Elijah is at one acting as a prophet, an intermediary between humans and gods through the supernatural means. He's getting messages directly from the Lord, the way um, it reads, and he's the message he's giving now that he's sharing is that a drought is on its way to the land, and that only at his word would um, there be rain or even dew on the ground, on the grass, and so forth. Um, and he's doing this in the name of the entity known as Jehovah, um, translated to the word Lord in English. Just so we um, are noticing, <clears throat> excuse me, as a footnote of who is being addressed as the Lord as we go along. So he's announced his message, verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, so now he's getting another message and it's not clear how he's receiving the messages. If it's um, a vision, a trance, words in his ears. Um, it's not clear. It's just saying he's got getting another message. Verse 3, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Sharif, which flows into the Jordan. So um, the message that he's getting now after he's delivered his first message is to run for your life and hide and even being given a specific place where he can go to seek refuge. Verse 4, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he's getting bad news for himself now. He has to be on the run. But the good news among the bad news is that the Lord's going to provide for him um, food, and he's got drink that he'll have by being right there by the brook. So he'll have fresh water and nature itself has been commanded to feed him as he's there on the run. Verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Sharif, which flows into the Jordan. So he's been faithful to the commandment he was told to do, and gone and living in the wilderness. Um, verse 6, that takes faith. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So his faith is at least being reassured. It's not like, like I told you, the woman I went to IT school with who decided to stop taking her mental health meds and decided to start living uh, homeless, unhoused in the woods. And the escapades she would do there. Um, that, you know, that took balls too. But it would take faith to do what 
uh, Elijah is doing to go out and live. But then once you see nature delivering, just as you were told, it would bring you food every day instead of you hunting the chicken, the chickens, the birds are bringing the food to you. Then that would be very faith affirming. So I can see how he would be very faithful enough to do things like pick up and move and live outside. Um, verse 7, and it happened after a while that he that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So now his prophecy is already starting to come true. It's him saying that there would be a drought is starting to happen. Even the water source that he was using has dried up. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, so uh, now again he's getting another message. Verse 9, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So, um, there's, um, there's a ability of the Lord that he's worshiping to, um, plan ahead for him and even make arrangements ahead for him. This is before we had online booking systems like we have in modern times. So, for him to be able to just on faith go at the urging that he heard presumably on his own with no one else being able to hear that voice and um, just pick up and go and have the lodging be arranged for him already takes faith and it's faith reaffirmed if he does go up and show up go and show up and it is already set for him let's see verse nine. Um, so he's been told where to go and that provisions have already been set up for him there in Zarephath. Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. So um, his words remind me of something similar that happens in the New Testament in the Gospels, where Jesus is thirsty. And asks um, a woman he encounters there for a drink at the well. And she answers back with sass because he's, um, she notices the religion he was born into. Though that's not the same religion he preaches because of a called Christianity religion. Um, so it reminds me of that same um, episode with Jesus in the Gospels. Only this is happening a long, long, long time before then. Also, the um, woman is um, is there was something else about it was that was um, stood out to me. In the case where Jesus asked for some water, the woman is basically answered him, "How dare you ask me?" Since um, she's not Jewish, I'm paraphrasing, but that was her answer. Um, and then Jesus let her in on the fact that she had the opportunity to get hope and living water with him there just from asking. Um, and she didn't even realize it, that he was talking on a spiritual level. The woman here that um, he's encountering, let's see how she reacts to um, him and his situation there about water. So verse 10, so he rose and went to Zarephath and... Um, asked the woman for the water. Verse 11, and as she was going to get it, he called
default to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So now he's asked for a woman for water and for bread. Now, she's already apparently affirmed that she's going to get him the water because uh, she's gone to get it. And while she's going to get it, he's added to the list some bread too, something to eat. Verse 12, so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it. And, and as you see how verse 12 ends there, she intends for that then prepare that little bit of bread that she has and the, uh, the oil that she has to make it for her son and herself as their last meal. Um, and then she's prepared to die after that is what she's let the prophet Elijah know. That's how desperate she already is. Verse 13, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. So Elijah is already walking on faith in the fact that he's picked up and left on the word to say from the Lord, just that's how it's identifying, whether it uh, agrees with what we know about other parts of the Bible and what it says about people hearing the Lord and seeing the Lord. We'll just accept it as the Lord, just that's how it reads in English. Um, so we'll, um, he sees how faithful the Lord has been to him as he's walking on faith. Um, now it's he's urging the woman to have a little faith in what he's saying to do, though she only has a little bit of food for her and her family, her and her child, um, that she was prepared and preparing again as the last meal. He's asking her to have just a little faith before she prepares something for herself, set apart part of it for the man of God, him, in other words, Elijah presence of the Lord working through a human hand that close to her. He's asking her to have faith in that. Um, verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil burn dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So what he's telling her there, it seems Elijah is giving her message from the Lord about if she's willing to do what and be faithful to what it is he's asked her to do with the little bit that she has, that she has, he has a message for her from the Lord of blessed assurance, basically, that in her willingness to do that, her reward would be a supernatural uh, benefit of the flower bin that she has never running dry and the oil that she has on reserve that she's going to use also never running dry um so that she'll have plenty of bread if she'll be faithful to in giving some to the person who's uh bringing her the presence of god to humanity the man of god the prophet elijah um let's see verse 15 so she went away and did according to the word of elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days. So she was faithful to the agreement. She made a little proportion for him. And in doing so, 
miraculously, her um, supply to make bread did not run dry. Verse 16, but then a flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So, miraculously, she's been um, provided for in her taking her little bit. Reminds me again of the um, widow's two bits in the New Testament, in the gospel, and her tiny portion meaning more in God's eyes, according to Jesus, than all the plenty that people who had plenty were able to give. So in her being faithful, she's being rewarded with much just that quickly. Um, her faithfulness is being rewarded in that her supplies didn't run dry because she was faithful in feeding someone who is bringing the presence of God close to her. Verse 17, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So um, the woman who's been faithful so far now has sickness touch her household. Even her heart, it's her child who's sick and out of breath. Verse 18, so she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? So um, she is recognizing that Elijah does have the presence of God working with him and with his words and his actions. So she's also saying she's recognizing his righteousness in that ability to have God working in his hands. So she's asking him, what is it that she's done that now with his holiness is being called out to her and the fact that she's paying for it and the fact that her son is sick, that her child is sick. She's basically saying, what sin is she guilty of that her son, who's so innocent, is now paying for it, seemingly with his breath, possibly with his life. That's what she's saying to kill her son. Verse 19, and one other thing, if you've read with me before, you know um, I'll refer to the Gospels, uh, Matthew 12, 37 in particular, where Jesus says about our words, I don't have any kids in this dispensation of time that I know of, so um, I had no problem reading what verse 18 said, but if you do happen to have kids, I suggest you read carefully um, because of what it might manifest in your own life just as a suggestion. Verse 19, and he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. So um, Elijah's apparently a trusted person in the woman's eyes as she's trusting her child who's apparently small enough to be picked up and carried. So I'm guessing under two years old, not much older than that, um, that she's able to carry him as well as the old man, Elijah. He's not a young man. We don't know they told us how old he actually is, though. Um, when he's referred to in the New Testament as a in a reappearance, because that's who this is, who Elijah is. He's the same person who is talked about and referred to and even makes an appearance in the New Testament as Jesus says in one of his teachings, if we're able to accept it, 
that John the Baptist is Elijah. In some, one gospel it says he's in the spirit of Elijah, and another says in the power of Elijah. In one gospel in particular, it says that if we're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. It's that same Elijah, Elijah that we're reading about here now, and his original ministry in the Old Testament. Um, and I, I suppose God willing we get to the point where we read about where he's reincarnated and the means of his reincarnation is fantastic as that sounds because no church I'd ever gone to any Christian church ever talked about reincarnation as even a possibility yet we have Elijah as one singular possibility example of reincarnation um, that we have in the Bible um, in the Old Testament and affirmed by Jesus in the New Testament but also by Jesus saying that if we're willing to receive it, letting us know not everyone's willing to accept all of his teachings. And that was one that he knows everyone isn't willing to accept, even though it's from straight from Christ's mouth. So um, here he's um, called for her to give, him, give her his son. And he's gone up to the upper room, um, just like in the black church refers to praying in the upper room. I'm sure other churches probably do too, but that's what happened here in Black Gospel Music. Verse 20, then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought, have you also, let me see about how we should read this. Okay, so let's read this again, verse 20. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son. So I have to be careful how I read it because I don't want to associate certain things being tagged up with me. One thing uh, of those things is tragedy or um, being teamed up with that and the way that would read if you read it out loud. So like I've mentioned before, Matthew twelve thirty seven explains it better than I ever could, but that's what I'm um, tiptoeing around with what we're reading here. But what he's saying here is he's praying, first off, and asking the Lord, is that what God has sent him to do, to take tragedy and show up with as the grim reaper to the woman who's been kind enough to house him by killing off her son? Verse 21, and he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. So um, this part about stretching yourself out on the child is something that Jesus doesn't um, affirm in the New Testament. In the times where Jesus did miracles, performed miracles, insight, resurrections of people like children, but also with interactions with children in general, one of the things he would make sure, I think intentionally, to mention and do is have witnesses with them. Often the parents throughout the Gospels were with him when he was interacting with the child. Um, but also, sometimes at least one or two of the disciples also with him when he's interacting with children uh, so that there wouldn't be situations like you see common in modern times um, in churches. And when I say churches, I mean religious organizations that take advantage of children left alone to 
the people trusted with them while the parents are away while the parents uh, look away unfortunately so many times uh, but that's not what Jesus does here it's saying it that he stretched out on the child especially suspect in modern times but probably not so much back then I would hope um, but also it doesn't mention if the woman is with him even though he's taken the child up um, to um, his upper room but he's praying for the resurrection of the child verse 22 then the lord heard the voice of elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived so now the narrator here not sure who it is so it doesn't say who's describing first kings at least not that i know of um and not that we've read um but they're letting us know like a scribe would like the media would that what's happened is the child was resurrected at Elijah's request um, and raised back up after Elijah interacted and prayed for the child's resurrection. Verse 23, one of the few examples of resurrections outside of the Gospels, by the way. Verse 23, and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see your son lives. So that answers my question. The child's mother was not with Elijah while he was alone with him. Again, not how Jesus approached the different times he interacted with children. Set an example for us as Christians, I believe, in how we should not only, if you have children, interact, have your children interact with people of the cloth, people of the faith, religious people in plain English, but also how we should ourselves um, view our approach to trusting them with our children, with the kids, and um, how there should be witnesses around, especially when people are doing things that you um, are trusting them to do too and with your kids. Uh, you should be there to witness it, if at all possible, especially if, if when it's someone you trust um, a lot and consider as God-fearing, God-sent, all of that, especially then make sure you uh, exercise caution in trusting your kids around them. Uh, again, by Jesus' own example. Um, so anyway, Elijah has returned the child alive to his uh, mama. Verse 24, then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. So in what she's saying is she's seen all she needs to see in the fact that he was able to bring life, resurrect her child again. And she's saying now she, by seeing that, witnessing that firsthand, she knows, she knows that uh, the uh, man of God, God here being translated, even though it's capital G, from the lowercase word Elohim and from the word of uh, and the word of the Lord, again, being translated from the, the Lord, being translated from the word Jehovah, um, is true and working through him. She's basically saying her faith has been affirmed in the fact that he was able to pray for the resurrection of her child and get it, make it happen. Something, again, that is very uncommon outside of the Gospels when Jesus makes it happen. 
doesn't happen very often, um, but it's happened here um, at the hand of the same Elijah again that we read about uh, in the New Testament, if you're able to accept it. Again, not everyone is. That was the last verse in this chapter, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for the Naked Truth again, and hopefully it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. God bless you. See you next time. I love you, and I'll see you then. Peace be with you.